Morning, everyone. Welcome to Ask the Expert, the award-winning daily series from 8.30 to 9 a.m. to help small businesses. If you have any questions, then please ask them in the comments in the live feed. Um, and if you need any more advice, then go to the official Intuit QuickBooks SMB community group on Facebook. Accountants and business experts are on hand 24-7. So during this live session, we'll be running a poll. So please uh, do engage with it and we'll reveal all the answers at the end. Uh, and just a reminder, on the 3rd of March, you can attend Intuit QuickBooks virtual event, QuickBooks Connect. This virtual event brings together entrepreneurs, small businesses, uh, small business owners and accountants together to help grow, learn and connect with each other. So, who am I? Um, so my name is Dino Myers-Lampty and I'm the founder of The Barbershop. Uh, we are a strategically-led creative company that aims to solve the biggest business problems through data, distribution and disruptive ideas. We collaborate with the very best specialists and trusted experts to provide unique and innovative solutions for businesses, executing them exceptionally at speed and with a leaner team. So we offer both agency and consultancy services across media, creative and technology. And we, we are serviced by senior strategic minds who know how to think as well as do. We also think and work globally, harnessing the power of collective talent, uh, distributed minds, and to provide always on thinking, executing uh, and servicing as well. We work with brands that are driven by purpose and those that enrich culture through the pleasures, pleasure that they bring to society. And these brands include brands like uh, Parkinson's UK, Triumph Lingerie, Dora Mobile, TikTok, and a brand that you'll probably soon be hearing a little bit about, which is called Winnie's Kitchen. So um, while we work with many kind of like large international brands, we also work with smaller, disruptive, fast growth brands as well. And these often have a much smaller budget and have different challenges. And uh, one thing you hear a lot about is the word disruption, disruption in marketing. I mean, the last 12 months has been everything has been disruption in the last 12 months. So uh, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a claim to say that marketing owns this word. However, this word often comes up a lot in marketing. And when we talk about disruption, it's, uh, it's going beyond just being a challenger in the market. It's about completely reframing the market and also rapidly accelerating your share of customers as well. For us, um, while you know, disruption mostly happens by having a unique product that solves a real customer need and plugs a hole in the market, there's a lot of disruption that comes through marketing itself. But the question is, how do you get it and how do you guarantee it? Well, here are some of the themes that we've discovered after working with brands in this position, but also um, after analyzing a lot of work and uh, successful campaigns through the Global Leffies Awards as well. So the first point I'd like to say is, uh, this is the, the idea of how much you spend. So disruptive brands break the laws of share of voice and share of market. So what does this mean? Well, there's always a big question about how much you spend and should you spend on marketing and media? Uh, and most people often make the mistake of spending a little, li too little actually when they're uh, chasing growth. And in media, much of digital spend is, uh, is, is almost predictable income, but actually to, to really accelerate and jump beyond your, your expected return, you have to spend a little bit more than your market share. So there's often lots of different kinds of ways of deciding a budget, uh, you know, zero-based budget planning or evidence-based planning, reach and frequency theories as well in terms of how many people you're going to be reaching and how many times and what you're expecting them to do from it. 
But actually, when it comes to disruptive marketing, actually, typically we find that brands that grow faster than the market actually outspend their uh, their expected amounts as well. They're spending far more than you actually expect them to invest in the market. And they're getting a disproportionate share for their equivalent size. So, yes, you have to have a unique message. However, you also need to be able to spend a little bit more to punch above your weight and leave a lasting kind of message in the minds of customers because spend alone and messaging, messaging alone um, doesn't just do it. You've got to think about the combination of messaging the media and making sure that you're spending above to get noticed. And even in this current climate that we're in, I think it's even harder to stand out, actually, because of the, of the, of the, of the logistics and the way things are working with us. So, um, so it's, it's spend and media is, is that much more important. The second point. OK, so uh, they focus on the short term and succeed in the long term. So what do we mean by this? Well, the IPA, together with Les Binet and Peter Field, have done some excellent research in the past. And there's a great paper called The Long and Short of It. And I highly recommend that you try and get a copy and read it. This looks into uh, how brands spend over the short term, but also the effects that it has on the long term. Businesses often focus too much on the short term. And often the advice that we're giving businesses is, um, is, is looked forward to the long term. Think about branding and marketing that can last. But, um, but when we actually analyze disruptive brands, we actually don't find that this is necessarily their focus. Their focus tends to be really quite on the short term, but actually they, they do have ideas that while they're planning for short-term returns, have lasting effects. And these lasting effects go longer than you expect because actually they're great ideas at the heart that, that, that they stick with and actually have disproportionately large and surprising effects. So the advice really is, is yes, focus on your short term, but actually you need to think about short-term ideas that will stand the test of time and last into the long term. The third point is about disruptive brands. So in terms of disruptive brands and the category that they're in and how they challenge the category. This is about the stories they tell. So what we found is disruptive brands really explain the product in the category, but in a challenging way. So they explain what the service or the product is that they're providing, but they, they reframe the way in which it's been presented. A great example of this is brand like Airbnb, which you know ultimately was providing a service that had always been provided for many years in terms of accommodation in, in location. But actually what they did is they reframed the idea of what you do when you're in that location, why you're there, why you're existing. Rather than just going to visit, you're going to actually be a local yourself and live like a local, live in someone's house and someone's property and the advantage of that. So the, uh, the fourth thing, um, is that actually TV and longer form content is actually a really powerful platform for disruptors to communicate their ideas. As we mentioned in terms of the, uh, the, the, the importance of um, reframing the story in your category and telling a different story, that demands time. That demands a little bit more engagement with the customer to explain what you mean by reframing the category and how you're doing things differently. And I think this is a really interesting point because a lot of um, formats that we use that we're tempted to use which are very successful formats you know whether it's like google ppc or, or or kind of facebook advertising doesn't necessarily always give us the platform to tell that long form story so we've got to think about other channels and other media that we can actually do that within and i mean a good example of that is just something like podcasts for example which are a growing platform but uh, allow you just to have a little bit more time with the customer to explain your point of difference as well the final point well, they have a leader that, is, uh, that leads with purpose. 
Um, this is also a theme as well, actually. A lot of brands, when you start off and as a business, um, you often rush to market with your product. You know, you have an incredible product, you take it to market, and it starts to sell, and you're getting success. And what we find is that often brands uh, rise really quickly, and then they, they, they turn around and go, hang on a minute, we haven't sorted out our values. Um, what kind of brand are we? And have these kind of existential kind of questions. And these questions are really important to answer as you scale and go into the, the mass and the majority. And you go past those kind of innovators and early majority that have, have sought, sought you out in the first place, that bought you for rational reasons because you were they thought you were better than the competition. You quickly get to a stage where there's a lot of people in the market that don't know why you're better and, and, and don't have a real reason to change. And, um, and they've got choices. They see it as the market is filled with choices. There's always a lot of choices. So what do they do in that instance? Well, they, they look towards brands that have value alignment and things that they believe in as well. And they also look towards leaders that they can be inspired by and they can trust. So this is a really interesting point because there's this constant kind of like battle between trying to work out what kind of brand personality you should have. And it often works very well for disruptive brands when they have a strong leader who really knows what they're, what they're there to, to do, what problem they're there to solve in the world, why they're existing. And they're really focused and laser focused on that on that mission and that goal. And I think then it's really easy to brand and to, and to, and to behave really quite naturally. And that can like spread throughout the whole culture of the company. And if you've got a good leader with good values and a good purpose at heart, then that shines through to the customer. If on the other hand, it goes the other way and the leader isn't necessarily the best and most inspiring figure, then I think it can also go the other, the wrong way. And uh, so you've got to really think about, you know, how you're, how you're being led and, and what's been inspiring, inspiring you to carry on succeeding and to grow and to dominate in the market. And hopefully that is a purpose thing at its heart. And when we talk about purpose, we're talking about people, planet, and all the positive things that, you know, we, we, uh, we have probably come to realize in this uh, pandemic over the last year as uh, so that are the most important things. So great. Okay. Um, we've got uh, the poll um, and we've got some um, questions coming in as well. Um, so um, I'd like to, uh, I think the poll is going to be about um, if you've pivoted your business in the last year. So please um, uh, use the, the controls and, uh, and let us know um, if you've had to pivot your business in the last year. So um, we're going to take in some questions. Um, we've got um, uh, some questions coming in. Uh, first question I've got here is from Alanis from Twitter, direct mailing in, uh, sorry, direct messaging in. Uh, so what, according to uh, you, should businesses invest in to be relevant uh, in the new customer-driven buying journey? I mean, that's a really interesting question. You don't have an answer for that. Ooh, that's a really interesting question. Um, so the new customer journey, what's happened largely is, as we're all stuck at home, um, we, we've got limited um, ability to go out and actually buy items. Uh, you know, the high streets have completely transformed and have changed. We can't just walk into shops anymore and just browse and, and find things that we like. We have to be very purposeful about what we do and what we look for. Um, that has had, had a massive kind of digital transformation effect for all these businesses who have very quickly shifted their product online and, um, and found ways of, you know, of, of giving you what you need and what you want you know, incredibly quickly. And so... In terms of um, uh, in, in terms of you know what, what what is relevant now, yes, you need a massively. Uh, you, you, firstly, you've got to think about your consumer experience. 
You know, people are looking for, you know, quick delivery, quick response, uh, incredible kind of customer service in a digital and remote sense. So all those kind of like platform things are really quite important. What could have been substituted with a person before in terms of a personality in, you know, in meeting someone in person has now got to be substituted with brilliant design, brilliant user experience and, um, and a very intuitive um, response as well. Um, but also in terms of a marketing perspective, in terms of that kind of journey, you've got to think that some things have been missed out here. Um, and you've just got to plot that journey and understand, okay, so you, know, you still need to do the awareness piece. You still need to do the consideration piece in terms of the, continu the continued communication throughout the funnel. And I think that in terms of what can be uh, forgotten too easily, it's just about how much of that kind of like initial kind of persuasive factor that helps people decide that this is the brand for them um, that you need to kind of like do when people aren't in that kind of purchase intent mode. Um, you know, it, it, with the internet, you have a lot of people who are very actively seeking things, which on one hand is great because they give you all the right kind of signals. And, and often you can respond to that in, you know, whether it's things like PPC or, or in a lot of kind of paid social um, advertising, but actually the funnel needs filling from people who are not necessarily in market for your product. So it's really important to, um, to pull them, to pull them in with, other media and other channels so think about the things that go beyond just the the uh, the computer screen you know again so you know tapping into mobile but when they're out and about but also you know mediums like you know like tv is still very very strong and very very effective so we've got another question from bashir from facebook here um what are some of the disruptive marketing trends that you think will prevail in a post-pandemic world so, I mean, the, one of the biggest things that's been disrupted here is uh, the lack of being able to do things in the real world. So, you know, um, quite a big kind of disruptive, uh, disruptive marketing trend for brands is to do something a little bit of a stunt, you know, so to do something in the real world that people stop in the tracks, look and go admire and take photos of and share it in a social media sense. Um, and that has been reduced massively. However, in the same light, these are the things that now will stand out even more when they come back into society. I think we're all longing to get out into the real world again and to see things and to be inspired and to be, um, to be kind of like infused by everything around us again. So the brands that go back to the, some of the behaviors that were present before, I think will stand out even more. You know, right now we will be reluctant to do that because we'll be very cautious about, you know, how many people are walking the streets, how many people are going out. But actually, the ones that really do take that risk and do something different, I think will be rewarded quite heavily. There's a great Marmite campaign that's out now as well, which is doing exactly that with a special build 48 sheet showing the, 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 the top of the new product flying into the front of a car, um, crashing into through the windscreen. So um, so I think that there's um, uh, experiential will come back, you know, in a surprising way, uh, doing things that are different that stand out that people stop and stare at, I think will definitely come back and, and will work twice as hard. So we've got another question here from um, Charlotte uh, um, from an Instagram story. How do you build an efficient, disruptive marketing campaign? Okay, so I think the first thing I'll say is, you know, really understanding your purpose and values. You know, often you can race ahead with the media part of it and you can start to just, you know, plan the advertising, but make sure there's a truth at your heart of your company and what you're communicating. You know, really start with the purpose of what you're doing, the values and what you're trying to do, your mission, um, and, and let that be the story that kind of like shines through, communicates through and what you do. Then you've got to understand and uh, really segment the market and understand who your audiences are, who is most likely going to want to, to, to love that message and respond to it. And try and identify your audience on a probably on a values-based system. So, of course, there's demographics and simple things like that. But actually, look at the values and the attitudes and the behaviours that you want to uh, connect with, and 
really communicate and uh, tailor your message towards those those values that, that are present. And I think that what you'll find then is you'll end up building not just customers, but advocates that will stay with you for a very, very long period of time. And then it's about understanding the media that they consume. You know, in this day and age, you know, people consume all media. Um, you know, you often get uh, misled in lots of ways by saying, oh, but, you know, 16 year olds don't watch TV anymore or, 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 or I don't watch radio or, or newspapers are dead. No, actually, the reality is, is that, you know, these medias are still very strong. They might not necessarily be as big and as grand as they once were before. But the price now in terms of using those mediums reflect the fact that they might have a slightly low circulation or, or viewership, but they are still really incredibly impactful. And you've got to think about medium communications, not just in terms of reach, but in terms of impact, in terms of the time that it can uh, that it can engage people and how it can change what they're actually going to do. So always think about a broad kind of channel set, but build from ground up, you know, find your most um, attractive and most uh, interested customers first, which is usually found through digital media, which is, you know, low investment. You can start to trial and test things, try different messages out. And then once you've seen something that's working, be prepared to scale very quickly by increasing the channels, you know, looking towards more, more broadcast channels, things that are going out there, influencing the public at mass, and you'll see your, your business start to rocket. Okay, um, we've got a message from Danilo from uh, Facebook Messenger here. Hi, Dino. I wanted to know if disruptive marketing can help a small business, regardless of its size and budget. Would you be able to share a real-world example? Thanks. Absolutely. Um, a great real-world example, um, and the answer is yes for that, and absolutely. I mean, often, um, you know, small brands don't have the budgets um, to really compete, but actually that can be an incredible advantage. Um, I always remember the great story of how Red Bull started, um, which was told to me by one of my previous bosses. And, um, you know, Red Bull had this kind of challenge where they were, were, were a drink that was a very strange product, ultimately, that was hard to explain uh, to people exactly what it was. So they put it into the advertising room workshops and they were planning all these different campaigns for it. And then they ran out of time. They ran out of time for when they wanted to launch, the product was gonna go off if they hadn't got it out there. So actually they pivoted in the instance and actually started to go, right, let's just get out onto the streets, let's give it out, let's turn up at events and let's give the product out, get people to sample it. So they went overly heavy on the sampling side of things and just got people to try it. But with that, they started to get creative about how they were sampling you know, uh, in, in creating the cars with the big cans on the top, you know, in a real kind of standout different way that made them uh, draw attention to uh, people, draw attention towards them and go, what, what is this product? You know, I've got to try it. And, um, and that became, um, became the pattern of how they did things in, in time to come. It became part of their DNA to be this kind of disruptive, let's do things differently, let's get out there and just be part of the event, part of the culture. And that really worked for them. Um, but again, you know, they, they spent very little on marketing in terms of from a traditional advertising sense there because they just run out of time. Other brands, it's a much more kind of conscious um, uh, point because they haven't got the budget. So charities are often in that, in that um, um, camp. And, and I think a great campaign um, was by Calm, the campaign for Living Miserably is a great example. We did a partnership with ITV um, for, um, for the fact that um, it was called Project 84. And it was for the, um, the terrible fact that um, 84 men die each week in the UK. Um, and they represented this not with um, you know, a big kind of advertising campaign, but by um, engaging with some of the families that had lost, lost um, their relatives and, um, and creating sculptures that they, they placed on the top of the ITV building, which then featured on the, uh, the news and this morning, and it got an incredible amount of PR and publicity. 
and and therefore as a result of it an incredible amount of donations and more importantly attention to the cause and what was happening so you know often when you're thinking with constraints it can lead to a very disruptive campaign that can often punch above its weight because you're thinking about how can this be newsworthy how can this be something that people are genuinely going to want to talk about um, and often money and media can be the easy shortcut um, that can almost stop you from thinking about some of those you know really disruptive ideas so it can definitely work um, uh, really well for brands. Okay, we've got another question here. Um, I'm going to put the question from uh, Clayton from Instagram DM. Uh, Hi, Dino. If you had one piece of advice for someone just starting out building a company, what would it be? That's a really great question. And um, my piece of advice would be um, uh, really um, think of all the things that you can get for free. So often when I advise and I speak to businesses, they're often on this investment journey. And, and it's much publicized in terms of in our press and our news always about you know, startups and investment and raising capital and raising funds. Yes, funds are important, but they can often be a distraction. Um, often I see people going too far down, spending too much of their own talent and time just trying to raise money, trying to get that funding to do something with it. And often I think, um, I'm amazed by the successful businesses that are out there that have um, have really worked their networks and have got access to incredible people who are doing things for a fraction of the price or for even for free that often that investment that they're trying to raise would have had to pay for. And I think this is the real kind of hidden advantage in business. It's actually how you can really get people to open the doors for you, how you can get people to have those conversations, to make those connections, because the right person making the right connection for you is worth is worth a million pounds or more even. Um, there's some incredible things that uh, can happen just by relationships, and I think you've got to double down on those things and uh, and really kind of like make those solid. Um, as a business leader, I think you know you've got to think more about the people side of things, how people make decisions, how people um, how people uh, really kind of like um, uh, uh, how businesses progress through you know those kind of like uh, partnerships and. Um, and deals been done on that level. I think those are things that will accelerate your business more. Um, so, yes. Um, so uh, we've got another question here from um, Cameron from Facebook Messenger. Uh, what has been your most memorable and dear campaign where a disruptive marketing idea changed the tides in favor of your client? Hmm. Um, there's a few um, that I've worked on that I could say this has definitely been the case. And I think that, you know, one that I'll probably um, mention, which I'm going to try and think of something that you all probably have seen uh, in, in, on your TV screens and then seeing it, uh, was definitely with um, probably Suzuki as a brand. Um, Suzuki was a brand that we worked on for many years and um, Suzuki cars um, specifically, because everyone, when you say Suzuki, thinks about motorbikes or, or motorboat engines. And then this was, was in part their problem. Um, no one really thought about them in terms of cars. They were, you know, 2.5% share of the market. And for many years, you know, um, we would do advertising campaigns for them. And what we were trying to always um, uh, trying to get at in this instance was um, the fact that the, uh, why customers loved Suzuki's were because they were fun to drive. They were different. They were quirky. And, um, and there wasn't a, another kind of like real kind of a standout kind of, you know, technical product reason as such. Um, you know, and often that's where cars go down. They go down that kind of technical uh, region, 0 to 60 and all the specifications. Um, 
but I think that you know when you try and often kind of make a make a funny ad, sometimes it can be a laugh for a minute, but then it doesn't necessarily land the positioning of the brand. So we went um, a little bit disruptive in terms of you know in the following year and did a, an interesting partnership with um, two very funny people, which was Ant and Deck, and really gave them the license to think differently about the, the, the product itself and just be themselves in terms of but you know around the product. So so the the product became um, the subject of kind of their jokes in a sense, and um, and this partnership went on with ITV and Ant and Deck, and and effectively they produced produced a lot of content that was um, in line with the shows that they they made. Um, so. Um, um, you know all the different kind of like you know Saturday night kind of takeaway kind of games and and uh, and things that happen on there. They they did the, the Zuki Zuki versions of that, and um, and and it really kind of like you know broke that kind of barrier of understanding for customers. Um, and it wasn't the fact that you know um, you know the, the thing that was disruptive about this was the fact that brands. Um, usually, brands often you know borrow talent and put them into their own ads and say you know. It's this celebrity advertising this product. But actually, we went into their world and gave them permission to use the brand in their world and to, you know, we kind of like release the control as such, um, which is often a hard thing to do as a brand because you're trying to kind of give these kind of tight guidelines and, and you know, and write the script. But it was very much a case of, no, no, you write the script. You run away with it. You know, you guys are funny and that's why people love you. Um, so do what you do and, um, and, and just let the brand fit in. And it worked really well, really naturally. Um, and there was incredible results. So, um, uh, you know, that the first year that we did it, um, there was a 20% growth in Suzuki sales, an incredible turnaround, and it's been flying in that kind of right direction ever since. Okay, um, another question um, from uh, Gillian. Yeah, Gillian, this is going to be the last question um, uh, from Twitter. Uh, Good morning. What tools do you recommend to invest in that can help a business on its journey of disruptive marketing? Excellent question. Um, so um, back to uh, the bit of advice I gave a little bit earlier on about the question is a surprising amount that you can get for free and definitely sweat the amount that you can get for free. And what I mean by that is, you know, yes, there are some tools that you should definitely buy, uh, QuickBooks being one of them, um, but there's there's a lot of kind of like, you know, software that is um, can make you incredibly efficient in what you do. Um, so for example, there's a great brand for, um, for called Inflow, for example, which is um, if you're trying to look for, to generate more content on your blogs and, um, and they're much more SEO relevant content, um, you know, that can, uh, you know, there's, there's quite a few tools that a very kind of cost-effective price can give you such a, a lot from it. You know, mail programs like Mail, MailChimp, for example, an incredible amount of return there, type form for surveys and research. Um, you know, and they're actually really quite good value. Zoom, I mean, you know, who would have thought that but Zoom is a, is a must-have. Um, and they're, they're pretty low-cost uh, tools, you know, on a monthly subscription basis, which you can cancel at any time. But when it comes to marketing tools, you know, there's an incredible amount of expense that often goes into marketing tools. So whether it's looking at, you know, um, there's some smart tools like, um, you know, TGI audience analysis tools and, you know, YouGov profiles and things like that. You know, these are often tools that agencies have, which, you know, you won't just be able to get for free. But if you have a relationship with an agency, then you can get that insight for free. Um, and, you know, you can get a lot of that kind of market understanding, you know, get a lot of that kind of like, you know, what does the Mintel report say um, that can really give you an understanding of, you know, total addressable market, you know, who the people are. Um, but also you should just be prepared to potentially do some bespoke things yourself. So actually go out there and do a little research study yourself. And, you know, you can do this in a relatively low cost way in terms of, you know, um, quantitative kind of surveys. So online kind of surveys and polls. 
but you can also do it with a slightly bigger budget when um, uh, you know you're, you're looking at things like focus groups. Um, but definitely start with you know even if it's friends and family and things like that, to get a real understanding of the audience. That's the key thing first and foremost. And then when it comes to understanding the media, um, there are some um, kind of bits of um, some tools. So for example. In 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 a in platform tools like Facebook uh, Insights and Google Insights, which are are excellent, um, but um, you need to know how to use them. But I would definitely try and learn some of those tools because they're rich with insight, and that's a, a good kind of low cost way to start off with understanding your audience. Okay, we've got to um, uh, round up for the poll now. Um, so the poll results, uh, the poll uh, results are in. So we asked you, have you pivoted your business in the last year? And um, thirty three percent of you answered yes. And 67% of you said no. Um, probably slightly less than I expected, actually, that said yes, because um, from what I hear, you know, there's been a lot of pivoting going on, particularly in the digital transformation area. But um, that's that's a bit of good news, actually, because hopefully you've just been able to um, strengthen what you do as your core of your business through using digital and, and, and more um, more kind of like tools in that sense. But um, that is uh, that's really, really great to know. Um, so, okay, thank you very much um, for tuning in this morning. Uh, if you want to contact, uh, get in contact with me, you can email me at dino at wertbs.com or send me a DM on LinkedIn. There's only one Dino Myers Lamptey, thankfully. Um, so coming up on RC Expert on Monday is Eva Mazikova. And who, she is a, um, a business accountant market specialist for Iris Software Group um, and also has her own accountancy practice. So tune in to get advice on how to prepare for your self-assessment. So don't forget to join the Intuit QuickBooks SMB group on Facebook uh, and also be mindful, um, uh, also the mindful tax kit um, that you can find a link in the comments as well that will be dropped in. So I hope you've enjoyed uh, answering the questions, this uh, me answering the questions this morning and talking about disruptive marketing. Have a great weekend. Thank you.